drinking today? I am drinking a mango lemonade truly. Oh, that sounds so good. It's <laughs> hot in Arizona. Like it's 90 degrees today. So ice cold seltzer sounds exactly perfect. I had to turn on the air today. It was hot here too. That's crazy because it was freezing yesterday. Welcome to Texas. Absolutely. Welcome to Texas. What are you drinking today, Amanda? Well, you spent so much time talking about Twisted Teas, and I was at the Circle K earlier, and they had one, so I got a Twisted Tea, and so I am drinking a Twisted Tea half and half today. So proud of you. I'm so, I'm so proud of you. Do you like it? It's pretty good. It tastes like tea, right? Yeah, it's. Do you see the alcohol in it though? Slightly, slightly, but it's more five percent. Yeah, yeah, five percent. But it's more boozy than it is. I mean, it's more refreshing than it is boozy, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can get down with one. this. I Try the raspberry one. one, but you have to find the twelve pack. I can't find the twelve pack. Yeah, I haven't found a raspberry one yet, but that sounds delicious. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell it. We have found that being a service member can be easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Amy McNeely. Amy served in the United States Navy from 1992 to 1997 as a hull maintenance technician. How are you today, Amy, and what are you drinking? I am awesome today, and apparently I need to up my drinking game because I've got water. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> water is like the fruit of life. I know, I know, but I have Trulies in the fridge. I probably should have grabbed one of those. <laughs> We've had people drinking water on our yeah. podcast. Water, <laughs> coffee, cranberry juice. We are not. White claws, you know. But yeah, I don't think we've had anyone with a white claw yet. Oh, I dig the white claws. I'm not going to lie. They are so, good. I feel like I stick forget out when I drink them, so. Oh, yeah. Actually, there's this chick on TikTok, like the white claw. I don't know. All she does is drink white claws, but she tried mixing a lime one and a lemon one. She did and said it tastes like Sprat. So, yeah. Mm, so, I'm gonna, okay. I don't like the lime ones or the lemon ones, so I'm going to try it. And see what happens. So, yeah. Well, yeah. That, let me know that. how that works out because that might be a new thing if this Arizona heat keeps rolling like it is in November. I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> can can you blow some of that cold weather down here? <laughs> we don't have any. We need it from Amy. I know. Yeah. I've got all that. Amy's got all the cold weather. She needs to like send some down our way to these southern states. I do. I do. We've <laughs> already had snow. Like it's like oh, cool, no. fire the wood stove kind of weather up here. So. You can keep oh, the no. snow. Just send us some of that cooler weather. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Right. So, Amy, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how your journey started? Sure, absolutely. So I am from Washougal, Washington, which is a major metropolitan area. No, I'm totally kidding. It's not (laughs) in southern Washington on the Columbia River. And so I ended up ultimately I graduated high school. I thought I was a sure win to go to college and get financial aid. And I got denied over and over and over again, because I worked in my mom, we received survivorship social security because my dad had passed away. So I was eligible for nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. I sat in the career counselor's office at the college and cried. Like I'm pretty certain it was her worst day of work ever. Um, So I bawled, like full on ugly cried. And then I'm like, all right, get it together, girl. What are you going to do with your life? Right? How are you going to get there? You need a new path. And so I walked into the recruiter's office and I was like, listen, I want to, I want to go sign me up. And he was like, what? 
And I'm like, no, he's like, you want to talk about it? I'm like, no, I want to go. Let's make it happen. So I took my ASVAB and I was out and in boot camp in like three weeks. So, so why'd you, you go Navy and what leads you to do probably a predominantly male Right. Okay. So very good choice. So I'm going to be a hundred percent honest here. I probably went Navy just because there was a cute boy that I knew that joined the Navy and I was 18. Right? <laughs> I didn't know how to make life decisions. Right? Cute boys. Yeah. So hey, I joined absolutely. the Navy because my rec- recruiter was cute. So right? I'm like, that's my decision-making process at, at, at 18. So, and then I scored really well on the ASVAB. And so they're like, you're eligible for any job that's available to women. And I'm like, well, here's my goal. I want as much money for college as I can get. And so I was at MEPS and they're like, all right, so here's the deal. We're looking to get women into C intensive ratings. And if you take one of these jobs, you'll get the Navy college fund, which is like incentivized and it's more money than the GI bill. And I'm like, awesome, let's talk. So I was like, what are the jobs? So it's like, there's three. The first one was a boiler technician. And I was like, eh. I'm probably going to pass on that one, right? Yeah, no one wants to do that. So I was like, all right, what's next? And he's like, well, a machinist mate. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't think that sounds too great either. What's the third one? And so he's like, it's a whole technician. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, like, tell me a little bit about that. And he's like, well, they're welders. And I'm like, awesome. I've got an uncle that's a welder. I'm in. (laughs) So so I was super excited. I knew nothing about everything that was entailed in being a whole technician. So I went to, when I went to boot camp, they'd always ask, you know, do we have any whole technicians in the group? And of course I'm, you know, kind of energetic. I'm super stoked to be there. And I'm like, me, me, me. And they're like, Mm. And I'm like, I think you're doing that, right? Like, I quickly figured out once I got aboard ship why they kept doing that. I yeah. mean, the whole text on the boat were my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because if your head flooded, you needed us. If anything flooded, I needed you. Anything flooded, yep. There's a fireman one time that broke above my rack. That mm. whole technician was my best friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and thankfully, like, I was pre-friends with him. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. And he's like, I'll be right there. And mm-hmm. it got fixed like super quick. And I was like, yes, this is why you make <laughs> friends with everyone on the boat. Yeah. We sometimes yeah. do cookies, you know, <laughs> for bribery. Yeah. Amber and I were both air traffic controllers. So I definitely bribed all of the engineering type rates mm-hmm. with aviation warfare signatures. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you don't know anything about air traffic control? That's fine. Let me just sign it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to fix this fire main that just flooded my world? <laughs> just give me your book and come pick it up in an hour. Yeah, that was us. They were some of my favorite people. What were your duty stations and did you have a favorite one? Yeah. So I started out, my first duty station was a cell craft unit four in on Little Creek with the Elcox, which was super cool. At the time I couldn't deploy with them. So I was just because females couldn't. So I was just on shore duty. I did some TDYs in there as well to other ships as well. And then I was stationed at the, on the Simon Lake in La Maddalena, Italy the subtender. So I would probably have to go with probably the lake just because it was in Lamad. It was a super cool overseas experience. You know, I learned a lot and it was kind of my, my first, my own ship that was full-time, you know, I was PCS there. Also you were in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I was skinnier than I ever was in Italy because and I'm like, I ate pasta every day. How did that work? <laughs> it's like, it's a homemade natural pasta over there. Yeah. It's oh, not wow. that American. Calories don't count over there. Over there. Apparently Carbon not. Was, yeah, it's not that 
super preservative style American pasta. Mm-mm. Oh, so good. So, so it's easier good. to process. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Have you been to the West Coast and the East Coast of the United States? Yeah. Which one is your favorite? I mean, on a personal level, probably the West Coast in the Pacific Northwest. Just that works for us. That works. Cheers. West Coast is the best coast. The I know. Coast. Like, I can do everything here. And, like, the East Coast is really hot and humid and snakes. And, you know, yeah. it's not my jam. So like, I'm definitely We West have coast. rattlesnakes in the West Coast. But, like, we don't have all those other weird snakes. The That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Don't any of those. I can't wait for a PNW tour. She's never been to the Pacific Northwest. I was stationed at Whidbey Island for five oh, years. Me. I want to so, go so bad. It's on my bucket list. So I'm going to oh. take her up to the Pacific Northwest. So when we come up there, we'll we'll hit you up. Oh, yeah. Because if you guys want to come up and fish, like I could absolutely get you guys out fishing depending upon the time of year. Like that. And that's what I love. What time of year is a good time of year to come? Oh, gosh. I mean, every time, every part of the year is good. But (laughs) when I catch like awesome, like salmon, halibut, I would probably say my probably my best fishing month. I'm going to go with August and September. Okay. That's a good time to be up there in general. Yeah. Right. Totally. You know, and there's so much stuff to do. So yeah. All right. So we have a couple you, people to see. Actually, yeah. we have several people to see when we come up there. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I I lived up there for five years, so I still actually know quite a few people in the Whidbey, Seattle mm-hmm. area. Yeah. And so I get up there every couple of years, but Amber's never been, so it's on our on our to do list to get up to the yeah. Northwest. So oh yeah. She can experience it because she needs to. Yeah, yeah. There's no place like it. It's yeah. literally my favorite it's place on earth. There. Beautiful. My son was born in Washington, so oh cool. He's a resident Pacific Northwester, even though you look at him now, he's one hundred percent Southern California. One hundred percent. Sounds awesome. <laughs> All right, Amy, do you have a fun active duty story you can tell us today? Oh gosh, I was thinking about this, and I have two, and I'm probably going to go with one. I was kind of going back and forth, so I mean, you um, can tell them both if you want. Okay, so they both happened when I was on the Mount Whitney, and I went there TAD when they were transitioning women to combatants, and so I was asked for 10 in the nav admin message, and I'm like, dude, I'm totally going, right? Like, it's they're going to Norway, Germany, Ireland, like, I'm young, and I was hungry, and I was like, all right, let's go, and so I was the only one that showed up, so I was the only female with, in all of Shift's company, so it was challenging, and so I was like an E3, E nothing, right? But I'm like, I gotta show them that I can do this, right? So uh, I, we get in there. And so, you know, if you're in the Navy, you know, when a head floods, they call the HTs, right? And yep. they say, come fix this. So it was me and Fireman McCardo. He was probably the only HT that was more junior to me. So I was like, I am in charge, right? I'm going to show them <laughs> that I can do this. So I'm like, I'm going to go in there and, and excuse my, I mean, let's just call it what it is. They needed us to blow their shitters. So I'm like, I'm in, I got this. So we get it all hooked up in Mercado. He, he didn't really have super great English language skills. He was from Puerto Rico. Um, and so we get it all hooked up. We get, you know, our DC plugs in and I'm like, I got this right. This is my time to like show them that I can do this. So I'm like, I am running the fire main and it's, Oh, and by the way, it's in master chief's birthing. Okay. So <laughs> well, the story just got 100% better. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Almost died. Anyway. So I'm in there. I'm like, Ricardo, you're going to stand in here in the head and I'm going to hit this barman. And I'm like, I'm going to blow this bad boy. And I'm going to just, I'm going to get it. Right. So I'm out there and I'm slamming boom, boom, boom on the fire main. And so here comes Mercado. And remember he's, he doesn't have a, he speaks Spanish as his, as his uh, native language. So he's like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. He comes out. And I'm not kidding. He had chunks of toilet paper and curds on him. Right? I was like, oh my God, like, what just happened? So I go in there and I'm like, Holy shit. Like, and the mass chiefs had their uniforms like hanging on their burning on their racks. Oh, I'm not kidding. There was turds on their bed, on their racks, stuck on their, their dress uniform. And I'm like, oh my God. So we're gonna die. So I go running back to the shop. I'm like, come on, Ricardo, we gotta go. So we go up to the shop and I'm like, HG1, there's a problem. He's like, what'd you do? And he kind of didn't like me anyway, because he wasn't real keen on females being on board. And I'm like, we got a big problem. Like, they throw me overboard. There's turds on their bed. Right? So we go down there and I was like, oh my God. So anyway, bottom line is they didn't kill us because the DC men that had signed off on the uh, the PQS for the the hoses had gun decked it, and those threads on the hose, the fire main, the fire hose were bad. So it was not our fault. So they didn't murder us. We still had to like clean it all up and legitimately get the turds off their beds. So, <laughs> that was my shot, and they didn't let me do it again. But yeah, yeah. So we've kind of like touched around the subject, but for our listeners that don't know what a hole technician is on the boat, they're pretty much the plumbers. Yeah. Like they take care of all the piping. They take care of all the fire mains. They take care of all the gnarly stuff that none of the rest of us want to take care of. Mm -hmm. Um, What is, what is the weirdest thing you ever found in a pipe? Probably t-shirts. Like, why t-shirts? Yeah, I didn't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't want to know. Yeah. So by the time I was on the boat, we were far more co-ed than when you were on the boat. Mm-hmm. And so some of the stories that the HTs that I served with were a lot more graphic than, like, a t-shirt. Yeah. Like, girls yeah. are dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Girls yeah, are way like, more disgusting than boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I was on the the Simon Lake, there was, um, thankfully, it was not in engineering. I was in the uh, ship fair shops. I didn't have to do that anymore. But yeah, there's there's nothing quite like a female engineering birthing. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Thank God I was in operations and we were a little bougie, but like the engineering birthing across the hall was gross. Yeah, we're not bougie in engineering. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. And they didn't give a fuck. No. They <laughs> hardly ever use bad words. Like Amber's our bad word girl. But like, yeah, they didn't give a fuck. Sometimes they're relevant. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no other way to describe an engineering birthing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. So did you want to tell your second story? Oh, yeah. So my second story. So same cruise. And so, again, I'm trying to be tough because I'm trying to, like, earn my right to be there. Right. And so we were off the coast of Ireland and we were in a gnarly storm, like hot work was all secured. Like we were rocking and rolling and we're standing at quarters and I'm attempting, you know, to knock at six. So we're at parade rest and I'm like, finally, I'm like, Ooh, this is getting bad. So I'm like, HG one, 
request respectfully request to go to the head now and he's like oh god damn it stay there right you're gonna finish out and i'm like no really like ht1 respectfully request to go to the head no you stay there so i and i'm in the second row right so all of a sudden you have you seen that movie the exorcist right (laughs) so it was like a projectile puke all over this dude's back right all over his dungarees so you see him like arches back and he's like oh and i was like i'm really sorry and then h2 like god damn it go to the head and i'm like i've been asking i've been asking yeah so i puked all over my shipmate all over his back i felt super bad that would have caused a chain reaction if I was at, like, I can't, I don't do puke. So, oh. like, seeing it, or if it had been, bleh, no. Yeah, that bleh. was the only time I got seasick in the Navy, and happened to be all over HT3, but whatever. Better <laughs> <laughs> details. Yeah. He probably deserved sure it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that dude still hates me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Probably not the first time you've been thrown up on. Yeah. Probably probably one of his shipmates has peed on his rack before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That happened a lot. That happened a lot more than I thought it would happen. Especially, like, when you're going, like, when you're in port. Yeah. Like, these dudes, like, not in the girls' birthing, like, we were really good at finding the bathroom. Like, that's one thing the girls have going for them. But, like, so many times, I can't even tell you the number of times when I was deployed and we were in port that dudes would come back and, like, not know where they were and, like, think they were in the bathroom and, like, pee on their buddy's rack. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, that that was one thing that did not happen in female engineering birthing. <laughs> yes. yeah. they're, they're a special breed of people, but they do not pee on each other. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so we could tell these fun, fun stories for like forever. Yeah, or nasty, shitty, pukey stories. Yeah, especially because Amy this was a whole technician, so she was the member <laughs> of the Navy. Like, bless their hearts, man. They had the worst job ever. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, I would say that the least desirable job on the boat was the whole technician, but also the most respected. Yeah, yeah. They, they kept literally the shit running so you eventually had to get out yeah and leave active duty Mm -hmm. and become a veteran yep how was your transition so that is it i think it was a little bit harder than i anticipated honestly because you leave active duty and you're a part of something and then transitioning you're you're trying to figure out i guess your path and who where your people are and if you're not immediately hooked into the veteran community that can be really tough you know so i was able to quickly i started going to school and things like that and kind of try to figure out what type of jobs how my I, I didn't want to get out and be a plumber you know or be a welder so I'm like, what am, what am I going to do with myself? So that was harder than I expected, you know, and it was harder to not be active duty for me than I thought, you know, like even though, you know, I, I was a single mom and I, I couldn't do it anymore for my own personal decision, but it was still something that I missed a whole lot more than I anticipated. Yeah, that's yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then how are you doing now? You've been out for several years. So. Yep. 
I have been out for a long time and, and I feel like I'm in a really good spot. You know, a good portion of my time and my free time is spent volunteering and, and working to get veterans out hunting and fishing and strengthening that community. And that to me is a huge, it fills my cup up so much. And it, it gives me that, I always kind of joke that it's my merry bag of ragamuffins right? You know, and there's no judgment with the, the veterans and we go out hunting and it's, it's just that, that community and that bond that you kind of can't really explain to people that don't experience it, you know? So for me, that's a big part of my life and will continue to be a big part of my life. And it helps me on a day-to-day basis. Say we've talked about that in some of our previous podcasts yeah. where when you get out of the service, you like lose so much of yourself and you don't really find it until you find a way to be of service again. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, that's kind of been the key to veterans, not necessarily being okay, but being able to manage day-to-day life is to find a way to be of service in some respect to some organization. Mm-hmm. Because when you spend so much time in the military, that's all you're doing is you're being of service to an organization. Mm-hmm. And so they don't talk about that before you get out. Like they don't discuss that. They don't, they don't even talk about, about that shit that. while you're in. No, you're just conditioned to do it. And then when you get out and you can't, like, I didn't know what I was missing. Amber didn't know what she was missing. You didn't know what you were missing because we never realized that our best days in the military were when we were of service to Mm -hmm. something bigger than ourselves. And so when you just get out and you're just on your own and you don't have that world anymore Mm -hmm. where you have your shipmates, you have your daily goals, you have your life of service to something bigger than yourself and you don't realize that that's what you're missing for you to be okay and we find it in all different aspects like amber and i are finding it hosting this podcast and you're finding it helping the veterans on these outdoor trips and we Mm -hmm. had another veteran that found it by being mission 22 ambassador and Mm -hmm. the ones of us that are finding our way now, whether it took us two years or 20 years to get here Mm -hmm. are the ones that have found a way to be of service to either our fellow veterans or another organization that gives them something to, to do. Yeah. Find their way. Yeah, I totally agree. And I always, I I always kind of talk about gaps that sometimes we have gaps in our lives and in like, and in to fulfill us, right? There's, there's little holes and it's like a big puzzle, right? And and sometimes we're missing a few pieces and we have those gaps and a hundred percent getting involved in the veteran community and being very active there has helped fill those gaps because, you know, it's, it's certainly it's, and everybody's like, oh, you know, that's great that you do stuff for the veterans. And I'm like, but, you know, selfishly, it does as much for me, for me more it for than it does for them, right? Yeah. So and being transparent with my own story and my own struggles has helped me become a better advocate for other veterans. Yeah, I would 100% um, agree. And, and I think that it's, it's a, if you're involved in that community, it's, you have that ability to share things about your struggles or maybe things that you've been through. And just because somebody's happy on the outside and, and some people in this film room just may not get that right. Is right. what you went through and, and, you know, how you deal with it. And it's harder, I think, to open up about those things and be really super candid and kind of genuine about those if it's not people that have ex- either experienced it or get it, you know right. what I mean? Typically right. that's those well, veterans. As veterans, we, or as service members, we're conditioned to be okay on the outside all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And we don't always know how to turn that off. Yeah. And so 
you can go out and you can go to a nine to five job or you can go to a non nine to five job and with your coworkers and you're happy and you're the positive person in the group and you're doing all these things and they don't know that when you go home, you're fighting your own demons because Mm -hmm. you're so conditioned to be the stable person in that environment. And then you go home and you're by yourself and those demons creep up and you struggle. Mm -hmm. And then you go to sleep or you don't go to sleep and then you're back at it again and you're back at work or you're back with your friends that don't know what you went through and you're back to being positive and quote unquote happy and the rock in the situation. And they have absolutely no idea what your struggles are. And then you meet another veteran and it's like, you've known each other your entire lives and you don't have to explain those struggles because they already know. And you can just do things that make you feel better. Right. Yeah. I had a hard time with school when I got out, I went right into school Mm -hmm. and even having a, he having a schedule at school and going to college and stuff, thinking that, you know, okay, well, I have to be at these classes at a certain time, having that, but it was, um, dealing with, I mean, I started at a community college and it wasn't until I started working on my bachelor's and was in my last year and a half, well, two years, my last two and a half years of getting my bachelor's where I was with older adults that I was struggling with children the 18, 19, 20 year olds that I was in going to school with. Yeah. So that was hard. It's hard to be a like, person with our life experiences going back to a. Oh, yeah. That was um, huge struggle for me. Environment. I mean, I was veteran, single mom, raising two kids, going to school full time, working a part time job, running my household, and expecting to do all these things, which I did because that's what the military taught me to do. Mm-hmm. You you do these things because this is what you're supposed to do. You be somewhere on time because that's what you're supposed to do. And I think for me, that was one of my biggest struggles with getting out was not being able to relate to any of my peers because they weren't my, they weren't my peers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That was when I moved to Texas, it was very similar. And I don't know if Amy, you have a similar story to that either, but it took me going to the local VFW and meeting some of the other veterans that are that were part of the local VFW and to really just let them absorb me into their world before I felt comfortable with where I was and what I was doing. Yeah. And I think that, and I ended up marrying an active duty sailor. So I was never any place where I knew anyone or, you know, and so I struggled with finding my own place, right? Cause I kind of yeah. didn't fit with, we were in, Virginia, Norfolk, and we were lived down in Southern Suffolk. And, and I didn't fit with the Southern moms that were stay at home moms. And I worked and, and, you know, and then I had some friends, but I didn't have any, you know, really veteran friends. And so I, I just struggled with kind of who are, who are my people. Well, and people I going, made a couple of good friends that helped. Going into that mill spouse role when you've been active duty yourself is so hard because I want to punch those bitches in the face sometimes. <laughs> I couldn't because, do it. But after, you, yeah. you understand like what your spouse is going through and where they're at. And if they don't call at a certain time, even though they said they would, it's not because they don't love you. It's probably because like they're in river city or the internet's down or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. And, but at the same time, you have a whole different set of struggles and worries because you have been out there and you do know what happens when you go out yeah. to sea. Yeah. where if you're, And then you're home and you're trying to bond and you're trying to be friends with these other spouses Mm -hmm. 
that don't have any idea about any of that stuff. And you're, how do you relate to that? You don't really. Yeah, totally tough. And, and I did a, um, I was the ombudsman for the USS Nimitz for a couple of years. I know. Right. And I, so I really tried to, you know, because a lot of these young spouses, I mean, they're like, you know, 19 and like, well, I'm sad. I would like my husband to come home now. (laughs) I'm like, that's not how it works. But, you know, so I would really try to guide them and educate them through it, but it would be increasingly frustrating at times. And and, I, and it, sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I can't really blame them because they don't get it. How do I expect them to understand it? Right. When, you know, they're 19 years old. They're lonely. They don't know anybody and they don't yeah. know what's going on, you know? Yeah. And so I felt like it was a lot of that kind of actually helped me a little bit because there I am back to that being of service people <laughs> kind of thing. Being of service. Being of service. There again. Um, but it, it was, it was super frustrating, but then I really tried to like listen and be like, okay. And some of them, I just, I was like, mm, yeah, they're never going to get it. But <laughs> you know, some of them I tried to be like, all right, your husband's still not coming home, but <laughs> let me tell you different ways that I can talk and help you through you this. You can't so. just come home because you want him to. Yeah. No. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't Even work if, that way. Yeah. You yeah. should probably just go home and hang out with your mom for a little while. Until he yeah. Comes. Even if you're sad, he's still not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you cry, even if you make him feel bad, like you're just going to make his world over there harder. Yep. You can call me 400 times and he's still not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Did you die? Yeah. No. Okay. Then he's not coming. Exactly. Home. He's not coming home. <laughs> we have no reason to send out a Red Cross. Nope. Nope. <laughs> All right, Amy. So, if you had any advice for either active duty members that are becoming veterans or those that have been trying to find their way for quite some time as a veteran, what would that be? Um, I would probably stick in that same vein as far as finding your people. Right. Like connect with whether it's the VFW, whether it's the Legion Hall, whether it's, you know, an organization like I work with, like the Fallen Outdoors, you know, whether it's Mission 22, whatever it is, find your people because they're going to be able to share their experiences and kind of lift you up as well. And, you know, and I think you have to be flexible too. I think at some point we have to stop and say, okay, yeah, all right, this is an active duty. It's going to be different. And they're not going to do the things the way that I feel like they should do things. Cause that's how we do them in the military. It doesn't always work like that. It doesn't work like but, that. You know, just try to be flexible and find, find your people and get looped in. You know, that to me is, was the most important thing as I kind of got through the years. I learned that. Did you say <laughs> the organization is called Fallen Outdoors? Yeah. So it's the Fallen Outdoors is what I partner with. I'm with Team Washington. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the Fallen Outdoors started with actually this guy, Eric, and a couple of his buddies were trying to like, they're traveling and they're, uh, they're getting stationed different places. And then they're like, hey, you know, we don't know where to hunt. We don't know where to fish. How can we build this network? And then they're like, hey we're figuring out that this is really important, that it's, it's good for the soul, right? And that we can potentially save lives and, and get people out when they're in that really dark place, take them hunting and take them fishing. And so now we're in, I believe it's 46 states. Don't quote me on that because I might be telling a lie, but it's pretty close. I'm with Was- Team Washington. And so we get veterans out. We go waterfowl hunting, deer hunting, elk hunting. We do a ton of fishing and we just work to get veterans out and it's kind of, we call it kind of peer mentorship and peer counseling. Cause if you're on a boat, you know, you're just kind of organically, these conversations happen, right? Like my first, one of my first couple trips, you know, this guy was really super quiet and like 15 minutes in, he's 20 minutes in, we're catching fish and he just starts talking, right? You know, he's talking about, he's an army combat vet and he's talking about all this stuff. And we're like, all right, you know, and he looks and he's like, I don't know why I'm telling you all my shit, right? And I'm like, (laughs) 
because we're fishing, man, because we get it, you know? And so it was, it was, you see those changes in that progression and we've got such a good network that somebody, you know, they can call and say, Hey, I'm in a dark spot, man. I need to go fishing. You know, can you help? And we'll do everything we can to get them fishing. And it helps like if they're in that dark spot, if they can go to that place and say, and, and kind of be like, okay, you know, go back to those moments and those memories that they've made fishing or hunting um, to, to just help them through that. Because ultimately our mission is to, to stop the 22 right and contribute to stopping the 22 and Absolutely. hunting and fishing and the outdoors can help this is um it we have, Amanda and I have learned of a couple of different things that we've never heard of this is one of those things that this is not and that I think Amanda and I mentioned in our first episode oh maybe it was on a hangout mm-hmm. um about wounded warrior everyone you say wounded warrior project Every single everyone knows veteran, mm-hmm. active duty civilian. Everybody knows what Wounded Warrior Project is. Right. Um, fall, 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 fallen outdoors. Yeah. Fall outdoors. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that I mean, and I and and out of fifty states, y'all are in forty, at least forty something of yeah. them. Well, forty something. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, that's huge. That's in almost yeah. every state, and for as a veteran and no one that we've talked to has ever mentioned it. Now yeah. there's fishing 22. Yeah. Which they take people out fishing and stuff. And that's not going to be, you ain't going to go fishing in. I don't know where there's not fishing. Right. Um, there's some place where there's no fishing. <laughs> and you can go, I mean, you can go hunting anywhere. Yeah. But to hear about this new organization, like this is, ex- I, I just think that that is cool. Okay. And I can wait yeah. for this smile for for our listeners to hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. And the key is, is for all veterans, right? As long as you're, you know, anything other than a dishonorable, come, come, come see us, you know, right? And so two years, six years, eight years, it doesn't have to be combat vet. It doesn't have to be wounded warriors, right? It's everybody. And it's important, you know, from my perspective to have veterans involved at, at every level, maybe veterans that are doing really well that help out some that aren't, right? And sometimes that flops, right? That veteran that's doing really well right now may not later, you know, or maybe they're consistently doing well and they're one that can lift up other veterans. And so it's important that everybody is, is a, every veteran is eligible, you know? And so we, we want to get those folks out and we get, you know, we had a hundred year old world war II veteran that we got out fishing that they literally lifted his wheelchair on the boat, you know? amazing. He probably Uh, had one of the best days of his life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and one of my favorite trips was we did the operation salmon and I was on a boat and this veteran art and his son and art was a Vietnam veteran. He was probably 70, 70 something. I forget. I think he said he was 77. And uh, we were coming back in and we were catching fish and having a good old time. And I caught a bass right on a salmon rig and a salmon fishing tournament. And so he kept calling me the bad bass slayer. Right. And so we're coming back in and they were standing on the shores and they were waving American flags. Right. And so Art, I mean, he instantly gets welled up in his eyes and he's yelling back, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is getting emotional. Right. And, and he looks back at me and I will never forget it. And he said, bad bass slayer. He's like, that never used to happen. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. Like, Art, I love you. But for them to have that, especially Vietnam vets that were treated so poorly, you know, that was something that I hope left a lasting impression for him. You know, oh, and he righted a few wrongs, right? He got to fish, he got to feel appreciated. So, you know, we take out, I have a whole bunch of adopted children, I feel like, that are like 23 <laughs> year old veterans. And then we've got my favorite old guys too. Yeah. You know? I love that you're available for all veterans because I feel like there's a lot of programs out there that are so 
specific. If you have something wrong with you, if right? You have, if you have if to you be a disabled veteran, or you have yeah. to be a combat veteran, or you have to yeah. have lost a leg, or you have to have had this happen, or yeah. this happen, and there's so few programs that are available for just your average veteran Which that fucks me over. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Just your, just yeah, your average veteran that got out and is trying to find their way in life, but doesn't feel like they have a place anywhere because they might not be a disabled veteran. They might not be a combat veteran. They might not be whatever kind of veteran. They're just a regular, awesome veteran. Right. And there's so few programs available for that, that group of people. So I love that you include all veterans and not just a specific branch of veterans. Yeah, totally. And one thing that we also do is we do focus on female veterans, right? So, you know, the first, one of the first fishing trips I went to, you know, there was 150 veterans on the water and three of them were females, including myself. And I'm like, where are the girls, right? Like, come on, they can benefit from this as much as anyone else. So the Fallen Outdoors has been really receptive to ideas and different ways to engage and kind of pull the female veterans out of the shadows a little bit and get them involved right? So we've done ladies trips where, you know, cause it can be intimidating if you've never gone fishing or hunting before or something like that, you know, or if you have in your source of trauma or anxiety or PTSD is from something, you know, like an MST or something like that, you're not going to be necessarily comfortable with a group of men you don't know. There's a ton of different circumstances and the Fallen Outdoors has been extremely supportive in pulling and making those trips available and those opportunities available to where the female veterans can come out, feel safe, feel like they're not going to get judged. They're going to learn how to do cool stuff. And, and again, it's just building and strengthening that female veteran community as well. And all of the guys are super supportive of it. So that's another key, key piece is getting the girls involved. I love it. And y'all are nonprofit, correct? Yep. We are nonprofit. We sure All right, are. so if any of our veterans had further questions about your organization or if they just wanted to contact you directly, where can they find you? They can find me. You can find me on Instagram, Amy McNeely. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Amy McNeely, or just check out The Fallen Outdoors on Facebook. I'm always kind of on there watching posts and everything else. So there's regional pages as well, Midwest, West Coast, East Coast, um, and then the South. So you know, follow those pages, get involved in those groups and you'll see trips being posted. And again, just being a part of the, the community, TFO Nation. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So if anyone yeah. missed that, they can they can go directly to the show notes and find that organization or Amy's contact information directly. Absolutely. Amber, do you want to talk awesome. a little bit about the charity that we've chosen to support this episode? Sure. So this episode, we are supporting the Tilvahala Project and their mission to bring about mental health awareness amongst veterans, the fact that you're never alone, and that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. We are also available on several social media platforms, so if you would like to contact Amber or myself, or if you had any questions for our podcast specifically, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. You can also check out our merch. We have t-shirts for sale. Amanda will post that as this gets posted. A, or a portion of every sale goes to the Silver Hollow Project. We would also like it if you could reach out to us. If you're interested in telling your story and being a guest on our podcast, you can email us at the veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail 
or direct message us on any of the social media platforms that Amanda mentioned. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Your reviews help us as your hosts, and it also helps keep our podcast up in the rankings so that more veterans can hear our stories. And you can join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you have to come on one Sunday. Yes, Amy, we need you there. We need, oh, we need girls. We need girls. Oh, I'm, I'm down for bringing the girls. And I will have a way better beverage next time. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's an unscripted, unfiltered, unpolitically correct oh, my group, of, group of veterans. Yes. So... Everyone is welcome, whether you're military, active duty, veteran, or civilian. We do just have to put the disclaimer out that it is unscripted. And when you put a bunch of veterans together with no rules, you never know what's going to happen. So (laughs) if you're easily offended, I would not suggest that you join us. But if you want to see what happens when you put a bunch of veterans together, come on. Come on. Awesome. (laughs) We're on these hangouts. We're hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. I mean, it really is fun. And we create such a connection because like Amanda and I get to see y'all individually. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. when your podcast comes out, okay, well now whoever listens gets to hear you, but still doesn't really know you. Right. On the Hangouts, we get to have y'all together and then you get to meet this person from this episode and this person from this episode and yeah. then creating an even bigger connection and a wider network for, for all of us to have. And it's, I mean, they're really, it's, it's good. So cool. And we have several previous guests that come on every week and they hang out with us and there's so much. Episode five. (laughs) (laughs) Episode five. (laughs) Our number one cheerleader. Yes, he is. He is one of our best cheerleaders, but as always, and the reason why Amanda and I started this, was to bring about mental health awareness in veterans and the fact that 22 veterans killing themselves a day is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers.